Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Yu Shun and Jason Smith, host of The Bridge Podcast with me. Coming up. Join us in celebrating the beautiful fusion of tradition and modernity with not one but two cultural extravaganzas, the CMG Spring Festival Gala and the Chinese Opera Gala. We bring you a snapshot of the Chinese New Year Opera Gala hosted by China Media Group. It promises to immerse your senses in wonder, kindle your curiosity for time-honored arts, and ignite your interest to carry this timeless heritage forward into the future. It's going to be lots of fun and certainly a cultural discovery. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. If you have questions that you want us to answer on social issues, business, technology, or whatever moves your spirit, you can send those our way. There's a place to do it, Roundtable at foxmail.com. Emails are fine, but voice memos are always better because we're a radio show slash podcast after all. Now on Roundtable. So Jason, Chinese Opera Gala, what are some of the most memorable highlights or takeaways from your experience? Well, I had the opportunity to go backstage for quite a while, for a couple of days. And uh, so there were lots of amazing sets, and I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready to see how many sets they had. So they had all of these 1950s and 1960s set because the opera gala actually takes place using a variety of timescales. So you have ancient Chinese costumes and, and culture, and you have modern contemporary culture and costumes, and you have 1950s, 1960s China as well. So I was actually playing behind the scenes on the sets, pretending that I was in 1950s, 1960s China a lot of the time. There were actors everywhere. You know, there were hundreds of actors in full costume all day, every day, preparing for the gala itself. And so it was fascinating to watch all of these people, like in full costume, like trying to drink their coffee, for example. But um, there was a TV store there, a newspaper stand there, all like, you know, traditional. But all of these people were fully dressed and performing backstage and getting ready to be on stage. The show itself was resplendent and i've never seen a stage like it i'm someone who goes to performances i go to the ncpa and i've been to phantom of the opera back home and i go to meilongfang here to see opera in beijing but i've never seen a stage like this the entire floor of the stage which was gigantic was an led screen or series of led screens with different projections on each one and the entire background was made up of a series of different levels of led screens so in addition to like hundreds of people standing on the stage at any given time, singing, dancing, performing, all with these huge smiles on their faces. You have all of these graphic effects, which were deliberately made just for their particular spot on the stage, moving and fluctuating back and forth in different colors. And so it's a real feast for the eyes. So if you're a visual person, it was incredibly visual. So when you think of opera, you think this is going to sound amazing. Or, this is going to be people singing and there's going to be some dancing too. But the stage itself was its own performance. So that made it really memorable. And also you had the privilege of having a sneak peek backstage, which is awesome because not all of us have that opportunity. And uh, we look forward to you sharing more about that. And Yu Shun, did you know that this year marks the 34th annual Chinese New Year Opera 
gala hosted by CMG. And, you know, tell us a little bit more about the history of it. And uh, what do you expect this year? Yeah, I'm actually talking about, you know, the Chinese opera gala. I think a lot of people will think it with some target audience with an older age, maybe, I think. But when we are listening to Jason, who has been elaborating about, you know, how many these advanced technology that they are bringing us, I think, yeah, we can definitely see that in recent years, they are actually bringing a lot of these techniques and technologies that is actually attracting a lot of young people. For example, about this gala, I know that, of course, there's going to be a lot of people's favorite performances like, you know, these renowned artists and um, shows, right? Which are, of course, indispensable. And there are also up-to-date elements, like what we heard, like a lot of these L screens on the stage. These elements are actually allowing the audience to feel, I think, the, you know, continuity of these traditional art of Chinese opera. So this stage design, which is achieving through a combination of both, I think, open air main venues and also ancient opera stages and also digital technology. So this enables not only older audiences who I think was normally be seen as the target audience of Chinese opera, but also younger viewers are accepting this performance, making it a program suitable for all generations to watch together. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up generations because um, I think maybe the assumption there is that a lot of the Chinese traditional operas are, well, they used to be sort of like the pop music back in the day, maybe mm. hundreds of years ago. <laughs> or, you know, you've got your your Michael Jacksons and your Jay Chows back then. Mm. But as time moved on and and this is possibly a challenge for a lot of the traditional art forms around the world for the new generation to uh, hop on board and really appreciate it as much as previous generations did might sometimes be a little bit difficult. But in China, it's really interesting to see, well, thanks to just this huge variety of different traditional opera arts available, some are enjoying more of a revival, if not, you know, a carry on as some sort, but others don't receive as much attention. And considering this Chinese opera gala, which is annual and uh, happens around a similar time every year. In a way, this is a huge deal for the performance practitioners because this is almost like the biggest moment to shine for a lot of these dance troops. And this year, the event features over 60 opera troops and educational institutions from more than 20 Chinese opera genres, and it includes hundreds of artists and outstanding young actors, totaling over 800 participants. And this performance blends masterful stage presentations, as Jason, you mentioned, with a lively audience of interactions over there. And Jason, could you tell us a bit more about what you've seen backstage and mingling with the performers, as well as, you know, you sometimes being part of the audience member as well, and uh, some of the unforgettable moments of the whole thing? The day I arrived, I was actually surprised because everyone had told me this is a 
Chinese opera gala, right? So I'm thinking this is opera, this is opera. And I love opera. I love Chinese opera too. But the day I arrived, they brought us into one of the rooms and they had this sort of mythical sort of set with all of these, you know, dragons, sorry, longs everywhere. And uh, there was this huge troop of several dozen people in their teens and 20s doing hip hop dancing. And I was wow. sort of kind of surprised right there. What's yeah. going on? I thought this was an opera gala. And you know, there was music, there was singing going on, but it was clear that they were going to be integrating these contemporary dance styles and contemporary rap with traditional opera. And so I immediately kind of I feel two ways about that. Actually, I think that it's important that we preserve traditions the way that they are and that the young people will grow to accept them and appreciate them as they grow older. Because, you know, and people still read Shakespeare, for example, mm-hmm. even though Shakespeare is hundreds of years old, people still perform Shakespeare. So I think it's fantastic when you can reinterpret something for the youth. But I also think it's important that we preserve things in a traditional style as well. And I think this did a balance of both because it wasn't just one mammoth contiguous performance. It was a series of performances on the night of the actual open air stage performance. And a lot of them were traditional and a lot of them did blend contemporary dance styles and music with traditional. So Mm -hmm. I think they did a good job of highlighting both tradition, modernity, and how they can be intermixed. Um, Well, I, I, think, you know, it was special for me being backstage as I had a very rare opportunity. And I, I think I want to look for this opportunity again, because it was so much fun, because they let us get dra- full dressed in traditional Chinese opera gear, you know, like the, the outfit. So I had my face painted Ooh. completely. It took about 40 minutes to get all of the makeup on. Wow. And then they were like, okay, we don't have a costume that fits you, sir. <laughs> so I had to wear a different costume mixed with the face, which for them was almost like impossible because they were like, no, 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 no. This costume will fit you. Yes. But it doesn't go with this face. Mm. And even though they kind of could match anyway, they were, they were very reticent to mix the two because it was just considered like taboo to mix the two but they ended up letting me dress up as this warrior anyway with a face that matched a different costume so i have all these really uh really nice pictures and great memories of being dressed up like that and it's also interesting to see how important to the artists maintaining the integrity of the costumes and you know the characters is yes that's a very important part of art and people are very protective of their art form. It's a felony if you get it wrong. But still, you know, there's the um, discussion, you know, how much should you lean towards the traditional? And how much should it be maybe changed and evolved to fit modern tastes? Also, Jason, you're from the US. And I'm curious if you've seen something of a similar presentation in the US, you know, it's, let's say the biggest holiday of the year. Super Bowl. Not Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, like talk about these two, you know. And to my knowledge, I don't see like a mega national gala or a variety show that invites all the A-listers and, you know, highlights, you know, what's best that represents American culture, that kind of thing. Super Bowl. Because halftime, (laughs) the halftime show at the Super Bowl is the most important American performance of the year. The game itself is obviously going to be drawing tens of millions of fans who do follow sports. But the halftime halftime show draws another set of tens of millions of people. Mm. Of course, the Chinese National Gala each year, and this is just the Chinese National Opera Gala, 
draws a larger crowd than the Super Bowl does. But the halftime show at the Super Bowl is Americana at its finest. That is where they do invite A-list performers on the stage to mix together and do kind of a variety show. Obviously, it's not opera, Mm -hmm. but that's an interesting idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. With the halftime show, though, usually it's headlined by one artist. Sometimes you've got like maybe three. Mm -hmm. You know, the year when Beyonce and was a cold play and somebody completely random sorry to say that mm. i mean that person deserved you know d- the spotlight in his own rights but uh it was just a kind of an interesting combo because mm-hmm. usually you know you've got oh this year's madonna and next year is like rihanna and also carrying a baby in her belly and you know these things make headline news but it's just really interesting how the culture kind of varies a little bit and also you mentioned super bowl that's a huge sports event mm-hmm. it's not cultural in that sense but i mean how do you guys view it i think americans think of sports especially football as american culture Hmm. but i mean i see your point there is not a giant mix of all kinds of different performers coming together in the way that chinese new year draws Hmm. various different performances and various days and in various different regions in the way that exists in china so a lot of the time people in the west especially in older times have tried to translate what's going on in China into our own terms. But this is not something that can be just, oh, this is like what we have over here, because it's much more unique to China's cultural experience. Very interesting. And also Christmas is a huge Mm. festival. And people would possibly compare Christmas more to, you know, the Chinese New Year period, because it's about family. It's about also you need to beat the travel rush to get Mm -hmm. home and all that terrible but also sweet stuff that just makes the reunion even better Mm. arguably but in the u.s it's more about you know the family hanging out and not really you know something playing in the background on tv well not necessarily but it's not a performance it's not a bunch of we like to watch classic christmas movies so that most families will spend a few days leading up to christmas and maybe the day after watching the most classic 10 or 20 Christmas movies. So it's not a live performance that like what China has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also it gets really intense and in putting on a huge show like that. Mm-hmm. And here with CMG, it's not one, but two. So you've got mm-hmm. a lot of folks, you know, really trying their best to pull this thing off. And you should. Incorporating modern elements into preserving tradition is a key focus of the gala here. Could you share some specific examples of how traditional Chinese opera has been reimagined to resonate with the younger audiences today? Hmm. So first of all, we can see that, of course, more young people are getting involved in and understanding and also performing these Chinese opera, right? Recently, there is a Yue opera titled Dragon Inn or New Dragon Gate Inn that embodies this trend, I think. Basically, the director, screenwriter, and the stage designer are millennials. Some of them are even Gen Zers. So this is about the content of this opera. The production actually adopts a kind of immersive stage setting where the entire stage and setup make the audience feel like they are actually entering in an inn. And unlike, you know, traditional theatrical performances. It is more, I think, immersive and making it more appealing to a younger audience, I think. So it is sad that this singing style of this opera is also leaning towards Mandarin, not like these traditional dialect or the way that uh, the people perform 
operas. So it is also making it more understandable to, I think, younger generation or people who do not have much knowledge about opera. So it can be seen that a lot of these contemporary opera has made many progressive changes to be more accessible to a wider audience. And the fact is, more people are accepting and appreciating these changes. As a foreigner, when I go to see traditional opera, whether it be Beijing or otherwise, Mm. and I've seen opera in a few different regions, I am someone who doesn't understand, even if it was in Mandarin, Mm. but I still appreciate what they're doing for the visual and for the audio aesthetic. But beyond that, I got to interact with some people backstage who were performers and they were explaining how they move is an expression. So even if someone were to not understand what they're saying, you really know what's happening. I've watched two hour operas at Chang'an Grand Theater here Mm -hmm. in Beijing, and I completely understood the plot as it was going on because the actors are so expressive and they act out every little nuance with their hands and with their body motion and through the scene. And so I feel it's kind of you you said the word sad i feel the same way i think it's nice to appeal to young people might by making it more comprehensible to like a young person in terms of the language but i also don't think it's necessary i think a lot of americans watch italian opera for the same reason Mm. you don't need to know italian to know what's happening in the story because the performers are so great at their job and the same is true of chinese opera Also, well, one thing regarding the linguistic aspects of things, there's subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> well, not when you're in the theater itself. Oh, there are subtitles. Well, not when I've been. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, the one that I've been, which is in... Oh, what so is there's going to be screens aside the yeah, stage. Yeah, and that's pretty standard these days in, well, I can only say for the performance centers here in Beijing, that usually they have either... Well, they usually have both um, that are the two vertical screens and one horizontal screen on the top on the stage. Because even for somebody like me, my mother tongue is obviously Chinese and uh, I only speak standard Mandarin. And yeah, for all these regional Chinese opera forms... I won't be able to understand the dialects, unfortunately. And then I rely on the subtitles and it helps a great deal. But obviously your eyes will need to be like swapping and and you're just going all over the place because you want to catch every movement on the performance stage as well as seeing the uh, screens and what's been shown there. And uh, yes, and this is also really useful when we're there watching, let's say, Italian opera or, you know, opera from and performances from a different language yeah and i actually quite agree with um what jason was saying um is that i think it is also about this art form you don't actually need to understand all of the words that these performers are saying because for example i actually watched a dancing performance recently and there are no one single line in this performance and you can totally understand what is going on. So basically, that is how these art forms are so fascinating to the audience because you can actually see through these uh, you know, moves and um, acts and all of these um, prompts, I think, to actually understand the whole plot and the story. Oh, I just wanted to add one thing I've noticed as an outsider living here in China for the last decade is that it seems to me that one of the functions of the Chinese New Year Gala, all of the different aspects of it, you know, the day before, the day of, and the day after, because there are different regional performances going on all the time, Mm. is that 
there is a deliberate attempt by these artists to create a national unity through this artistic piece that's put on every year. You hear people talking for weeks about the various different performances afterwards. I remember two or three years ago, there was a huge Dongbei comedy routine. And suddenly, everyone I know was trying to speak Dongbei Hua for the next several weeks, <laughs> practicing and trying to teach me to, the, you know, Unfortunately, I didn't learn very effectively. But one thing I noticed from this is that each year it's a moment when the national community comes together. And so by using, you know, standard Mandarin, maybe that's one of the things that they're trying to do is use a unifying, understandable, comprehensive national language to sort of create a moment where everyone can come together. And that is definitely, um, I think, one of the unspoken messages that people kind of get and then also look at today's world culture or situation i mean rarely do people get that unifying or a, a unanimous pavlovian self-elating moment a cultural moment because you've got your short videos you've got various platforms of your consumption of your time and therefore you know, still having sort of the staple where, you know, a lot of people are going to be watching this, will be tuning in, and you can kind of just share your takeaways, be it, oh, that was fantastic, or, well, there were some interesting moments. I mean, these are still kind of, um, may I say, cherished moments that are becoming increasingly rare in a fast-changing society. So, having these Chinese New Year galas serves kind of a special purpose at this moment when Chinese people are celebrating the Chinese New Year. And you should share with us some of the memories and your observations about the China Media Group Spring Festival Gala, the one that is aired on the eve of the Spring Festival. Mm, of course. First of all, I think... It's not difficult to notice that every year's Spring Festival Gala includes some fixed program types. For example, um, singing and dancing, right? Traditional operas, skits, and crosstalk, and um, also maybe acrobatics. But the content and format of the programs are refreshed each year, actually. So I think this constant innovation is a form of transmission and inheritance, I think. You know, uh, with these art forms, but um, with new ideas are, I think, conveyed with these traditional art forms. So nowadays, many people online would also like to predict what kinds of programs will be featured, right, in the Spring Festival Gala. And this actually, I think, indicates that the gala has already left a deep impression on people and has become integrated into, I think, every people who grow up in China's memories. Mm -hmm. And Jason, you obviously have not grown up in China, but you've been around for some time and you've heard the buzz of uh, the Spring Festival Gala, right? Uh, it's a must see. For the last many years, I'm married to a Chinese lady. We go to her parents' house to watch this. This is the primary thing. We all sit down. We have the typical, you know, jowza, fish and Ooh, whatnot. Lovely. But we have a huge big screen TV there. This year, my wife and I are going to our own home in Wuhan. And we don't have a TV there because, you know, we don't live there. There's no reason to have one. But we need to see the Spring Festival Gala. It's mm -hmm. a must. So while we're there, we're going to take out my wife's iPad and watch it together on that. Because 
we can't imagine missing it here in China. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, on the day we come back to work and then we're going to be swapping jokes and uh, <laughs> and Jason might not have been、mm. able to pick that up if he didn't watch it.、Mm. And also, I heard that they will also have vertical versions of these Spring Festival galas for users who are more used to these maybe short video platforms. And I think that is also another, I think, change in recent years to be accepted by more contemporary needs.、Hmm. So, are you guys alluding to that some people are going to be watching this just on various devices and not on? The TV, and also just you know, just one small point here. You mentioned the vertical version、mm. that is, you know, cropped up to fit the smartphone screen. I feel really terrible for a lot of those you know hardworking members in the dance troops because you know <laughs> the stage is usually massive, but with the small vertical screen of the smartphone, that doesn't do the performance justice. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe there is a vertical version, but you know you can always turn your phone sideways and watch the horizontal version. Right. Okay. <laughs> Great. All right. Then the hardworking people making up the dance number, they'll get their moment to shine, no matter what. And it's also, I think, another choice for people who can watch it because in the vertical version, I noticed that you can actually see closer to these performers, and、um, yeah, maybe. That is why you can both watch the horizontal version and vertical version. All right, and there are going to be some of us who are still going to be watching it on TV,、uh, <laughs> on the traditional TV set, and sometimes, well. How it works in my family is that you sit down and watch the opener, the、uh, exciting, huge dance performances in the beginning, and then you know you'd be maybe doing other stuff, preparing for dinner and eating dinner, and it's essential to still have it in the background and come back to it. After I've finished washing the dishes, because that's what I do in my household, and then so you come in and out, but you have that on in the background no matter what. And I know that for some folks in the southern southern part of、uh, China, playing the mahjong is a huge thing, and you know maybe every day. But during the <laughs> Chinese New Year, well, yeah, I'm not joking. When I visited Chengdu, there were lots of people playing mahjong in the open air. Along the streets, and I was like, "Wow, you guys have a really good spirit in all of this." And、uh, during the Chinese New Year, when supposedly most of the family is back, and、uh, it's just easier to at least have those four people, necessary hands, to play the mahjong. And of course, the Spring Festival Gala will be playing in the background. Yes, and the China Media Group's Spring Festival Gala, as well as the Chinese Opera Gala, are more than just a television show. It's a cultural phenomenon that embodies the spirit of the Chinese New Year, and it promotes cultural heritage and brings people together in celebration of tradition and modernity. Quite the tribute to tradition and modern times, all rolled in one. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much. Yushun and Jason Smith for joining the discussion. Thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcast at Roundtable China. I'm Ha Young. We'll see you next time.